0: Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Thursday afternoon. I'm super excited to welcome back on the program the one and the only Andrew Dambina. Anders, it's great to speak to you again for Artsing Around. How are you today?
1: Good, thank you. And how are you, Noreen Mayer?
0: (laughs) Are we full naming it today? Yes, um, I'm very well. Top of the afternoon to you, sir.
1: Top, top, top of the afternoon to you.
0: We often like well. to do uh, accents. That, that was a very good, well, in my opinion, a good Irish accent. I'm sure some of our Irish listeners will be thinking, oh, what are you two like? Please yeah. feel free to suggest different accents for us both to try yeah, hope- out.
1: Or, or perhaps those that don't think it was very good could come on air and do a better one. That's challenging challenge <laughs> Yes, I like
0: that a lot. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, Andrew, uh, you, uh, you sent me quite a few pictures of, of, of the art you'll be talking about. I've also, mm. I just thought I'd quickly mention, I put them on my Facebook page, at Noreen right. Mare on RTHK Radio 3. This way uh, our listeners will be able to check out what we're referring to. That's exactly. Yes. Always
1: a good idea for, um, for visual arts chat, I think. Very sensible, Noreen. Um, so as ever, it's a mixed bag, some overseas and a couple of things in Hong Kong. So um, I'm going to start off with something that's going on right now. It kicked off yesterday in the UK. Quite an exciting big event that's going on where a literary festival And I think you know all about those, Noreen, has teamed up with a visual arts, well, art and design, specifically fashion design. More specifically, African fashion Mm -hmm. design. Very nice
0: pictures that you've sent over. Very colourful. So head on over to the Facebook page.
1: Well, yes, actually, um, I sent Noreen a trio of quite wacky designs from some of the best of the catwalk Fashion designers from the African continent, so different countries within. Uh, one of them has almost a kind of flamboyant veil. The third picture, I'm going I'm talking to Noreen here, but as she said, if you're able to get to her Facebook page, uh, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio Three, you can uh, you can see what we're talking about. A very blingy type of dress with a head dress from uh, an African. Predominantly Islamic country, uh, or a place where there are many um, uh, Muslim uh, residents in the community, and that is Nigeria. And the designer there has has built in almost a sequined headdress, which does the dual purpose of looking quite stylish while, re- re, you know, retaining some modesty that some of the people of the uh, of the Muslim community may prefer to have so it 's interesting when you get cultural associations built into fashion, and that is what is going on so it 's a kind of double whammy that i 'm speaking about right now because there is an exhibition on at the Victorian Albert Museum or the V&A for short in London which has long championed all types of art and design especially design I'd say over the fine art that we sometimes talk about paintings and sculpture etc and the the exhibition that is already on is going to be going on until april the 23rd next year so there's plenty of time for anyone who is listening to this who might be thinking of going for a holiday in London and it's called Africa Fashion, pretty straightforward title and you can, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you this again at the end but you can find out more at its website which is vam.ac.uk, just google VNA London and you'll find it probably quicker than that. So it's teaming up though, the VNA, the Victoria and Albert Museum, with this um, very large and very in-depth look at African fashion. And when you talk about African fashion, you're talking about tens of countries who have different identities that come from sometimes their own weaving and textiles um, and batik, dipping using wax, and then dipping something in pigment or, or you know pigment mixed with water or ink so that the wax remains the same color as the cloth and then the fabric gets dyed in between the wax. When it all dries, the wax is removed. There's a, is, that's called batik, that process, and it's very well used in Asia as well, Indonesia and parts of China. So there's lots of different uh, looks at the different countries and regions within countries in Africa. And whenever the VNA puts on a look at a type of, um, I suppose you could call let's call it ethnic for want of a better word, but a look at the indigenous Fashion and textile processes, so that's from weaving to printing to hand sewing, etc. Embroidery, it, it really does go super in depth. And so, people I'm sure who live in London or who are very interested in the world of fashion and textiles will go there more than once because it's a colossal exhibition.
0: And the designs, I mean, and the patterns are so unpredictable, which makes it sort of really exciting to see the final piece as well when you do the batik yeah, that, and yeah,
1: yeah. Definitely, definitely. And I think when you read about a process, and there are videos in this exhibition as well, which you can check out some teasers on the V&A website, um, then you do see exactly that, what Noreen's talking about. What's really interesting, I'm not into the high fashion kind of stuff myself, but it is interesting that some of what has gone on to catwalks, uh, and it happens in every culture, not just African, it happens in all sorts of culture, that the high-end stuff that's presented and not even sold in high-end Um, fashion stores, but really is there to capture the imagination and creativity of a fashion designer who works for either themselves if they're self-labelled or for a big fashion house, but drawing on inspiration from these techniques that we've just talked about. So besides a piece that is sequined and looks like it would be at home in a gala dinner situation where people are nibbling on champagne blinis and drinking champagne, um, the, the origins of some of the types of processes come from far more humble origins often. So that's interesting. Um, but going back to the literary side of this, there is an annual, a, an annual prize for African writers, authors who write in English language, and they host this kind of a judging process in different countries every year. And this year it's taking place in the UK, and it's called the Kane Prize... C-A-I-N-E and so the finalists this week are touring the UK today they're going to um, the, a place in East Anglia in the UK Norwich which is uh, where they're holding a, an informal question and answers session in person with someone who is, is, very, is a curator of this exhibition at V&A who's, who's going to talk to them about how fashion has come into their works of literature because they've been selected for this collaboration because they do—they're not writing in detail about fashion, but but they are setting a scene sometimes about people in different countries in Africa and different parts of those countries, and they may have described something where they're describing what someone looks like and they're wearing indigenous clothing. So it's it really is an attempt to. Uh, to cross over into literature. And on the coming Monday, that's the 18th of July, the 23rd edition, so it's, yeah, this will be the 23rd year of this Cain African Literature Award, will be announced at the VNA and a exhibition. Um, there will be some kind of online discussions so people can see these and hear what is being said themselves. If, if you're interested in the world of fashion and textiles and think that it's interesting across such a big continent as africa then you can find out more about that i'll give you a couple of websites there's the uh, there's the literature festival itself which is some of the different talks between now and next monday will be available online the one in norwich uh, today is not but tomorrow, there's one at the V&A that is, which we can, if you want to, stay up past midnight uh, because it's in the early evening in the UK. If you're a, a fashion textiles buff or an insomniac or someone who would just simply like to make the effort to stay up late to see that, it will be on through the V&A's website. So the URLs that you need to know is cane Prize, so C-A-I-N-E, prize, that's all one word, .com. Or just simply tap into Google, Kane African Literature Prize, and you'll find it. Um, also, Africa Fashion Exhibition at the V&A till April the 23rd next year, and you can find out more about that at the, at the uh, V&A's website, which is VAM, Victoria and Albert Museum, I suppose. dot ac. dot uk. So that is that. I have so much more detail. Things that I what I might talk about, but I'm, I am i don't want to run out of time, ready to talk about the other things. I know, but, but that's I, what I'm
0: trying not to interrupt <laughs> you at all. I'm like yeah, biting my tongue. Uh, yeah. Go on, go I on, know, I know, <laughs> I know,
1: I know. Actually, uh, but I will just quickly say this before I move on to the next topic. There's a couple of different sections through how the transformation happened in the V&A exhibition from modern textiles, uh, sorry, from the traditional textiles into modern ready-to-wear fashion, i.e. that's sold in high street shops in, in developing countries, uh, sorry, developing countries, yes, within Africa, in the city areas mostly, where there are some chain stores emerging, you know, it's a developing um, continent, so these are happening at a different speed where, where we're used to things like, uh, let's say, even from uh, African country's versions of very affordable things like giordano and bossini and bellino and things like that but how did they move on from the handmade stuff into doing that there's there's a few cultural um and social references about that old black and white photos and videos that have been taken from original film that's been transformed into videos telling the story of how that happened there's also something about where uh, where Africa got independence because parts of Africa um, were, you know, there were, there were colonies, for uh, the, there were other governments from outside of Africa that were in charge of certain countries. So there was independence that happened. Of course, South Africa is uh, is very well known for that, but there are other countries too that were colonies. And mm-hmm. so there's a look at how some fashion crossed over with the kind of, Independence of those countries, and how there were some celebratory costumes that were made, and there, there was a big textile, for example, um, about Nelson Mandela that was done. And this is this is using some of the techniques that are used in clothing, but it's actually a wall hanging and embroidery. And this is in the V&A exhibition, which is a portrait of the before he became the first black president of South Africa, Nelson Mandela. That is made in the 1990s. And it has the words in English, a better life for all, working together for jobs, peace and freedom. And it was really a celebratory piece that was made by a community of people in South Africa who were traditionally making, weaving and embroidering for um, ethnic clothing that dated back uh, in its textile um, and pigments that were made from natural ground stone and barks of tree and so on that date back centuries and centuries. But they used all this to put into an amazing wow. kind of big tapestry. which that sounds that
0: pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I will I will move on to something local from that um, because uh, it's something of interest. But, you know, we've been talking about this in Orient for years um, I years, say, and it is years, years but yeah, for yes. years, quite literally. Um, if, you know, before your maternity leave, because you know the whole COVID thing has been going on for so long now, that we talked about how it, it has been an interesting little window into the world of overseas galleries for those interested in arts and design to be able to do that. Actually, not only for that, it's the whole of the arts, for performing arts and music as well. That there have been online, um enjoyment that has been offered by by galleries big institutions that would previously charge up to let's say in the UK easily 25 pounds or so which is by, well the pound is very low at the moment but in normal times that would be over 250 dollars for entry, and they and they made a lot of these things free. And the V&A exhibition charges for, um, uh, you know, for tickets normally, but they're allowing people to get in and see some of it online. So it's nice that there's been an extension of global reach during these tough times where people can't travel, and people who might have been going to London a bit more easily than they can now might have just popped in to see some uh, exhibitions, and they can do so online. But. I keep on digressing from getting on to the second one, don't I, Noreen? So <laughs> I must do that, um, so, which is in Hong Kong. And um, I haven't mentioned this gallery for a very long time, but they do have some interesting exhibitions there. It's the Karen Weber Gallery, which has been around for it's more than three decades. And it was one of the first galleries that was around the Soho area in the early days of the escalator being built there and so on. And there's an exhibition called Goodbye, Hello, interesting name sounds a bit like a soft sell uh a single the other way uh, around like
0: yeah i was gonna say like an yeah. adele single or something
1: yeah a little bit a little bit but but with the words goodbye put in before hello Yeah. <laughs> yeah. isn't uh, there
0: a song like that say goodbye to hello anyway never mind
1: how's it going? again <laughs> <laughs> no no okay yeah uh didn't ring a bell but uh we'll look into that one later uh This is a solo show that's called Goodbye, Hello, and it's by an artist in her 30s, Hong Kong indigenous artist called June Ho. And she is a fantastic, I love printmaking. I love lino cuts and woodcuts. They are called, those types of prints are called relief prints. It's where you get a smooth piece of lino or, or a piece of very, fine-grained wood or hardboard and somebody meticulously or not so meticulously carves away and carves away the negative. I'm trying to make this as simple as possible. So if you're drawing a picture of a, of a house or a face, you would be carving away the white space. You would leave the lines that are the outline of the face or the house. So it takes a lot of time. People draw on the piece of wood or the lino that they're using and then they remove all of the stuff that they don't want to be the dark print going onto the paper when uh, when ink is applied to it. Does so that make sense to you, Noreen, or have I lost you completely?
0: A little bit. I'm a little bit lost. OK. All
1: right. Let's just say they're prints. <laughs> but, uh, um, and, and, it, and it's a lengthy process. And it's also quite a physical one that where where people are using very small, sharp kind of cutting tool to cut away bits of wood and then putting using a roller with ink that so they, they put over what is left of the piece of wood or the lino and the ink will touch the pieces that remain elevated and then it goes uh, a piece of paper goes on top of that, it goes through a press and you put it through the press and voila at the other end the paper is removed and you have a lovely okay. print. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah. yeah, no, I see it now. Okay.
1: Yeah. And when you are printing in more than one color, so you wait for that one, that let's say that first one that I just described, and then you will add colors when the ink is dry, you wait, and then you add more and more colors on top of that, and you build up, you can build up quite a, um, a colorful image, but, but, it, but it's a really slow process compared to today's, you know, sort of fast living or computer graphics and maybe apps that people have on their phones to doodle on and stuff like that. So it's a longer process. She's in her 30s and I really admire people, you know, who are of a relatively um young adult kind of age who do go for uh, a process that takes some time and patience to do it. She's drawing scenes, um, or I should say where well, they end up as prints, uh, of observations around Hong Kong. And she tries to capture both contemporary images and also... Bits of landscape. I mean, I've sent Noreen again um, a uh, an image that has four of her prints on one um, kind of shot that is promoting this exhibition. And what can you see there, Noreen? Can you? Can, I don't know if you can see that one at the moment. But um, there's um, there, there are views outside of a window. That's a kind of a signature style of June Ho. She'll often do things out of the windows of buildings but she will keep the frame of a window with the metal protective elements you know so that there's uh, a lot of Hong Kong homes have the bars for both um, for both security and so that people don't fall out of the window um, so what do you
0: call them? Are they like metal, like grills, or
1: yeah, yeah, grills, or or or, or window bars? Really, or window I mean bars, they yeah. they yeah people use them for for that dual purpose. Often when you move into a flat in Hong Kong, they're already there. But someone like yourself, and when I had young a young child, um, you know, you're kind of quite grateful that they're there if you need to open a window, aren't you, Noreen?
0: Well, well, well sort of. But I also wish it wasn't there so that I could just you know pop out and escape. <laughs> Oh. I only live on the first floor. No.
1: Interesting. What well, quicker, quicker than taking <laughs> yeah. stairs? Yeah. Just throw a, rope, throw a rope out the window. <laughs> yeah. R- shimmy Rapunzel. Shimmy down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, June Ho um, has got a very colourful exhibition on that starts uh, today, and it's on until mid-August. And you can get more information about it at the Karen K A R I N Weber. W-E-B-E-R, that's Karen Weber Gallery, all one word. Uh, and, or maybe it's quicker if you tap into Google, June, J-U-N-E, Ho, H-O, um, Print Exhibition, P-R-I-N-T-S. And they are, uh, what, what I sent you, Noreen, are images, these four images of trees and foliage. And they are in various shades, like I'll take one, for example, which is looking out over what looks like a balcony. Maybe the artist was on a balcony or she made a sketch or took a photo of a view from a balcony. And the balcony has got a wood balustrade on the top and then a glass part underneath. And you can see the trees in the background. There's a lot of fine detail. And all of that was done by carving away from a piece and then putting it through a press. I'm very impressed by what she's done here. They're beautiful images. I really recommend. I'm definitely going to go and see this. The Karen Weber Gallery is on uh, uh, Aberdeen Street um, in uh, Central, just uh, for your information. In Central. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And um, uh, talking about creative things in Hong Kong, I want to mention this quickly for anyone who is keen to find something for their kids to expand their creativity this summer. Uh, There are many places that are on that are doing things and there's no, I'm not giving any sort of favor to this company, but I will say that my son went to some of these courses when he was very young and growing up. They they are the organization called Faust and they have, yeah,
0: they've been on the show before as well.
1: Okay, right. Not too recently, I hope. Am I repeating something that's been said? No,
0: no, 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 no. no. They've not no. been on recently, okay. no.
1: OK, OK. Well, they're summer programmes for 2022 because they always do a brilliant roster of activities during the summer holidays. I remember keeping my lad uh, amused mm-hmm. by going to a few of these. Uh, and they, 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 this year, as usual for this lot, they they do appeal to small age groups of, uh, of um, let's say, from three to six or seven, and then they're kind of um, segregated every few years to uh, up to the age of 16. And there's, there's theatre, which my son did, uh, which was sort of basically drama, uh, and he ended up... I know um, I know your background's in drama, isn't it, Noreen?
0: That's right. Very good with... Uh, it's very good for, for confidence-building and great for yeah. little kids, yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. I think it really did help my son, who wasn't the first to put his hand up in class, I was told, for for donkey's years through his whole primary and, and, and secondary education, did get confidence going to drama classes, and in the end, did drama A-level. So it all. I'm not saying it was all down to this particular organisation, but I was glad that he did something to continue the confidence going. They also do creative writing and musical theatre for those who want to not just do musicals like the, the musicals that are on in, uh, in theatres in, in Hong Kong and Broadway in the US, etc., but also learning to sing. And to think about using your voice for music, so that is all going on. The easiest way is just to tap in Faust F A U um, S T Hong Kong, and then you will find it. I'm saying that because I this is one of the four things that I forgot to get the URL for. <laughs> but it would be very, but it'll be very easy to to find that. Excellent, uh, but,
0: perfect timing. Yeah. Only five seconds left, so we'll have to say goodbye for now. Andrew Dembina, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much.